Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com It's a brand new year, so make a brand new you by joining the SRF Resistance today. Russo'sBrand.com Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. ProWrestlingTees.com Get the coolest merchandise from your favorite independent pro wrestling talents worldwide. Head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and enjoy your 20% discount for the first five days of the new year and support indie wrestling today. GetAgerGold.com the online subscription service that delivers gold discreetly to your front door. Grow your gold stash using the affiliate link getacregold.com backslash horseman to start your subscription. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at get underscore acre and tell them the Hami Media Group sent you for an opportunity to win a free gold bar. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. It's unfortunate that we even have to say Black Lives Matter. I mean, if you go through history, nobody ever gave a fuck. I mean, you can kill black people in the street. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody goes to prison. But when I say Black Lives Matter and you say all lives matter, that's like if I was to say gay lives matter and you say all lives matter. If I said women's lives matter and you say all lives matter, you're diluting what I'm saying. You're diluting the issue. The issue isn't about everybody. It's about black lives at the moment. But the truth of the matter is, they don't really give a fuck about anybody if you break the shit all the way down to the low fucking dirty ass truth. We say that black lives matter, but truthfully they really never have. No one ever really gave a fuck. Just read your bullshit history books. But honestly, it ain't just black. It's yellow, it's brown, it's red. Anyone who ain't got cash Poor whites that they call trash They can't fuck with us Once we realize we're all on the same side They can't split us up And let them prosper off the divide They can't fuck with us Once we realize we're all on the same side They can't split us up And let them prosper off the divide Don't fall for the bait and switch Racism is real but not it Whoever can't fight back But now we gotta change all that The people have had enough Right now it's them against us This shit is ugly to the core When it comes to the poor No lives matter It is Monday, January 13th, 2020 And you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com Presented and simulcast as your Monday locker room from Hami Media in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com and of course now unleashed at NDPW.com. On this week's show, we're talking ROH, NXT, UK, Impact Wrestling, and of course, your Raw, NXT, and AEW previews. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, and Hameen Media online, hackerhameen.podbean.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the voice, the guy who's got a brand new job. He's the real... RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's that auto that beat it me. Rick Vickery back again in another, a, a dual 
podcast, the Dual Broadcast, the Hitting the Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast, and of course, each and every Monday here with the Hobby Media Group inside the Monday Locker Room. Hey, Jarko, we, you know, we continue, we've been, you know, dubbed the, the curtain jerkers of the Hami Media Group. Now, I, I want to rectify that or maybe just tag on, you know, another little title there. We are the absolute workhorses here at the Hami Media Group each and every Monday. Get your pro wrestling week going. And I mean, what a big 2020 we've had. We had the big weekend last week, the marquee Wrestle Kingdom. And we're following up here again with another stat. Weekend of uh, pro wrestling happenings, events, news, everything, and we've got it covered here. So much wrestling over the last couple of weeks. Of course, everything going on with New Japan last week, and then this week we've got ROH running a couple of shows. We had Impact running a show, NXT UK running a show, and now we get ready to start the whole week over. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, Originally, we had planned on recording the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast on Friday night during SmackDown, because that's kind of become our new thing, because neither one of us want to watch SmackDown. Um, and then I came down with this absolutely awful cold that if, if I sound funny, that's absolutely why. And Huckleberry, you were busy over the course of this weekend as well. Why don't you tell the people what you were up to? Well, I had an, uh, an absolute, an absolute honor and incredible experience. Uh, these crazy journeys, you know, since we started, you know, really in this podcast game kind of broke in and we opportunity with the gorilla position.com uh then we were able to get picked up tremendous honor to be carried on there with the homie media group that's taken us to all new heights uh throughout you know our adventures here you know we, we've hooked up with last word on pro wrestling indie pro wrestling all of that you know kind of led me from taking off this headset and leaving this arena and being able to cross that line into you know the world of professional wrestling where I've had the honor to work with Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling, Legends of the Squared Circle, Revolution Pro Wrestling, all based here out of Ohio. But I had a tremendous opportunity this past weekend to travel south into the, the bluegrass state, uh, Kentucky. I want to bury the hatchet. Uh, I know I've come at you a few times here, but now I, I want to extend that olive branch and show nothing but love and appreciation. I had headed on down to Ohio Valley Wrestling, and you want to talk about I mean, excellence defined. I mean, this is a top-notch promotion, top-notch product. The entire experience was it was it was surreal. Uh, the moment we walk in here, you know, bell times at seven o'clock, doors open to the public at six. We're there at three thirty, three three thirty, having the opportunity to take in everything behind the scenes. There was absolutely tremendous, you know, catching all the promos, meeting meeting the talent. I, I want to say, I've been in a number of locker rooms, even Ohio Valley Wrestling. I've never seen a more welcoming and friendly group of talents. Uh, you know, stay small was the advice that Ben gave me going in there. He said, hey, you know, take it all in. This is going to be something truly special for you. And, and I'm trying to, you know, keep back to myself here. And, and each and every one of them come up. And I'm sure it was damn near everyone on that roster would come up, shake your hand, and introduce themselves to you uh, before you had an opportunity, to, you know, to approach them. So so welcoming. And then they would just, fight, you know, start up conversations. In the early going here, you know, I, who the hell is this guy here? We've never seen him before, but I'm approached by by one of the talents. And all around this locker room, they look like professional wrestlers. We talk about that awe factor. You know, when we go to these shows where now you're seeing some of these top stars where the fans are, you know, instead of, wow, man, living through them, they think they can actually be them. These This group here, this, this roster with the Ohio Valley Wrestling, 
you're in awe. They look like true superstars. They are professional wrestlers. The vibe all around the set. Probably one that defines that the most. I mean, this is a this is a big SOB. Uh, he's probably right around, I don't know, that that six eight, six nine, just shy of that seven foot mark. Freaking ripped jacked. I mean, he screams professional wrestling. It, it was like I was standing next to Batista. Uh, and his name is Dalton Wade. And obviously, I'm looking at him like, this guy, he's got it. He's got the personality. You could just see the charisma. Uh, people drawn to him. Comes over and introduce, introduces himself. And we have about a 20-minute conversation. Hey, Jargo, this is crazy here. I'll give you – take a guess what the hell we talked about. Knowing you, I'm going to guess food. Actually, uh, uh, of sorts. But he started the conversation. He proceeds to give me a, uh, a 101 – on the proper way to dunk Oreos. And we talk about this for probably 15 minutes. Uh, so that's, that's kind of me breaking into, uh, you know, the scene down there. Uh, my first official job for OVW or yeah, OVW was, was pizza boy. Hey, that's right up your alley. Yeah. The concession, you know, it's, it's all coming back to the food, the concession stand, uh, they, holy shit. They're kind of panicking. They're running around. They don't have anyone to run over and get the the pizzas for them from the sponsor. It's about a thirty minute thirty minute trans, you know, back and forth when you're in transit there. Hey, RBV jumps jumps to the rescue on the way to get the pie on the fly for the pie. So that, I mean, that was my first official job there with the uh, Ohio Valley. And it, the for the evening, the, the reason I was there uh, was to meet with Mr. Snow, to talk with some other people that, that handle some different office positions from live event to, I don't know, PR, HR, whatever it might be. Unfortunately, Mr. Snow was unable to attend the event, which I think, you know, that really speaks volumes to the actual, the, the tremendous staff that they have in place that, that he didn't have to be there for this marquee event and everything went off with, you know, without a hitch. Uh, but yeah, I was able to do some voice work Behind the scenes, uh, I met the number two, Mr. Snow's partner, uh, spoke with the merchandise manager, who also is the live event coordinator. I had tremendous meetings all around, an incredible experience, and it's it, very promising. Uh, some details behind that I can't really give away too much here, uh, but hoping hoping in this early part of 2020 that you're going to see a lot more involvement with RBV and Ohio Valley. Very well done, Huckleberry. Very well done. And I do want to put over, you know, they had the opportunity why I was there to to meet our friends over at uh, thegrillposition.com. Ryan K. Bowman, took the, he made the trip down himself. He was actually there riding along with a tremendous talent uh, that you can actually hear an interview with him and his experience at OVW. And that is Dusty Gold. You can listen to that, you know, his take, what, you know, what he experienced. He's going to be on this week on Turnbuckle Talk. With Joe and Carl, she can pick that up over at hittingthemarks.com. But, you know, they were down there. Unfortunately, Ryan got ill. They weren't able to kind of hang out. Uh, he got hit with whatever. Sounds like whatever you got, Jarko, pretty much just dropped him. Yeah, it's going around. In, in his tracks while he was there. Uh, Michael Melkor, also the co-founder over at thegrillposition.com. He is the man at Ohio Valley Wrestling. He is in production. He was running this whole show. And such a great experience to see, you know, to kind of sit back someone that gave us an opportunity to let our voices be heard in professional wrestling to sit back and just watch him do his thing. Uh, and it, it was just magnificent to see, you know, how he's directing the towns and making sure the cameras are pointing. And then he's up there in the crow's nest. You know, he was the producer on this show. He's the one hitting all the cues, making sure that we have the live feed on the Gladiator Network's going here. Absolutely incredible. And all around this show, the from the production to the talent, 
to just that, that vibe, the arena, everything there feels so special. It's so unique. This is top notch. This promotion here, they are about to once again see another glorious boom. You can check them out each and every Tuesday on YouTube. They're they're live with their weekly programming. Uh, every couple of months, they're running their Saturday night specials, their marquee events. Tremendous town all around. And very very creative too. Some great storytelling. Great characters. Though the Rumble, they had their Rumble, and it was thirty man over the top. Very unique. They had so much going on, so many stories. And you had to be really locked in to pay attention because there was so much going on inside this match. Uh, Obviously, it was one of the most fun rumbles. And you know me, I I love that gimmick. The -the over-the-top battle royal style. If it's a gauntlet, whatever it is, I love the gimmick. This was probably one of my favorite rumbles that I have ever seen. Uh, To put it up, to rank it up that high. Outside of that, match of the night has to be two talents to keep your eyes on. Especially in this day and age where... Maybe we over-sensationalize women's wrestling. Not in this case. These two absolutely tore the house down. And they're so smooth in the ring. I mean, they know how to transition themselves. They were, you know, when you go to a place like Ohio Valley Wrestling, it's about, you know, you're, you're fine-tuning those tools to go to that next level, to go to those bigger television productions. So you're working those cameras. They were all over that. And, and this is Maxie Impaler, who is an absolute beast, a tremendous uh, talent, persona. I mean, she screams professional wrestling. She really represents that women's division as their champ. And then the challenger stood toe-to-toe. A tremendous look, great athleticism, great personality, uh, and that would be Megan Baines. Keep your eyes in your ears and, and anything out there. I mean, you're going to be looking for these ladies. They're going to make a huge splash in professional wrestling. Very cool. I'm very proud of you, Huckleberry. Out there absolutely just knocking this thing out of the park. Between you and MSG, both of you guys out there just absolutely killing it. Um, before we jump into this week's show, as far as uh, the ROH and NXT situations go, we have to start things off on a little bit of a sad note. Well, not a little bit, an awful sad note. Um, La Parca passed away over the course of this weekend. Uh, lots of conflicting reports, as is very, very common down in Mexico regarding his age. Was he 55? Was he 54? Was he 56? We don't really know. Um, what we do know is his actual name was Jesus Alfonso Herta Escobaza. Um, this is not the Laparca that we saw in WCW. This is not the Laparca that is currently working in MLW. Um, that entire thing actually transpired in 1996. Um, he actually began his career in 1987, still working on that independent scene down in Mexico. That's just absolutely crazy to me. He took over the La Parca gimmick in 1996. Over the course of his years, he held six different championships in AAA, won the Rey de Reyes tournament five different times, Copa Cup winner at Triple Mania 25, 10-0 in mask versus mask and mask versus hair matches, which is incredibly impressive. Uh, Rick, La Parca is one of those characters... That when Lucha Libre made its way into the United States, everybody kind of gravitated towards La Parca because even with the mask, he just had so much personality, whether it was the dancing, whether it was the chairs. And La Parca, too, was very much doing the same gimmick down in Mexico with AAA coming out to Thriller. He was one of the very, very signature marquee attractions inside of AAA for years. He main evented like 10 different Triple Manias. I mean, there's a lot of people, oh, this isn't the original La Parca. Well, yeah, but he's been doing this gimmick since 1996. I mean, like, let's put this into perspective. As far as the Mexican people are concerned, this is La Parca to an entire generation of people. Huckleberry, 
what were your thoughts on La Parca back in the day? I know you weren't necessarily a big Lucha fan, but La Parca was completely different. He wasn't out there doing all the flippy shit that Mysterio and Hoovy and Psychosis was doing. I think, you know, when you, when, you, when you look at this entire act, and no matter who's under that mask, and obviously tremendous success for, you know, any individual that, that has been there, and it takes a unique individual, and to be given that blessing to carry on, you know, the, the great tradition and strategies and just entertainment value that goes along with that mask, with that name. And as you said, it steps outside of the the norm of the Lucha style. It it encompasses the entertainment. You're exciting the audiences. You're pulling them in. You have to be able to demonstrate a great deal of body language. You know, overall body language because you don't have those facials to rely on. Not necessarily relying on your mic work. I mean, it is true you're doing less. You're doing more with less. Uh, you know, it's just the past week. You know, Ben was talking on the Friday locker room where he was putting over. You know, sometimes the most impactful statement you can make is without uttering a word at all, yeah. and that's what you get from this act. Yeah, I I don't know as though anybody who doesn't speak Spanish ever understood one La Parca promo, and that includes his time in WCW. I mean, just I'm I'm speaking La Parca as a character at this point. Um, Laparca is one of these brands that is just global. Even people who don't watch professional wrestling, they they see that gimmick and they just know what it is. You know what I mean? Even if they don't know the name Laparca, um, absolutely incredible, incredible career. And it's, yeah, I like how you lay that out there. And that's something that's it's kind of missing in today's environment, professional wrestling, and what people maybe miss on you know misunderstand is they're trying to look at you know this the dot 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 the floor routine aspect of I got to be this athletic I got to be all this you, you don't need to do those things look at you know true success things of, like this gimmick here that has spanned decades and generations and different you know individuals under the mask it's because of it was a uniqueness it's something that identifies to what the true value and traditions the foundation of professional wrestling is it, it just it looks cool like you were saying jargo even if you have no idea about professional wrestling if you have no idea about professional wrestling here in like north america europe and all that you're gonna look at that la parka logo that style and it screams oh that's gotta be some kind of wrestling thing right and that looks badass and it, and it kind of applies to why the Bullet Club t-shirts were so cool. Yeah, absolutely. And the NWO, DX, all the way back. Right. You didn't have to be involved inside the world of professional wrestling or really under, understand what it was about, but you could tell it was cool. It was something that would speak to to generations. In the case of the La Parca gimmick, it spoke to so many generations. And I want to say it was in 2003 when the shit absolutely hit the fan because WCW had closed down. The, par- the now L.A. Park had nowhere to work, so he ended up going back to Mexico, signed with CMLL, and suddenly there was two La Parcas in Mexico, and you knew it was a matter of time until their paths absolutely crossed. And while La Parca was presented one way in WCW, he was almost more like of a, of a comedy character. You watch La Parca down in Mexico, La Parca too. He was not doing comedy shtick. He was down there wrestling straight up death matches. I mean, there was going to be a blood and there was going to be a lot of blood when it came to a La Parca match. Well, and, you know, what, and when we look at the, you know, the fun aspect of it, the entertainment, you know, a lot of that comes out of necessity. You have to adjust to your surroundings. So, you know, the La Parca that we 
that we came to know here in the state, you know, what was he going to do to stand out in that division, to stand out inside WCW? Go character and heavy. That was, and that was his route. I mean, especially you look at a cruiserweight division, uh, you know, where you have a, a Ray Mysterio that really wasn't, it wasn't driven by character. It was all, you know, just the, the technical prowess inside of the athleticism that Dean Malenko's. Even then, we didn't have so much of the character that we would later get from Eddie Guerrero. Obviously, Chris Benoit, you know, Mr. Zero Personality. Right. Out, outside of Jericho, what really was there? Yeah. No, that's a and it's, valid and, point. And, 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 when you're not, and when you're not speaking the language and all that, you know, what are you going to do, man? So get out there and have some fun. Excite the audience. And that's what you saw. But, and, that was, and that was kind of across the board with anyone that's had, you know, the honor to, to wear the mask. We also saw another number two pass away over the course of the weekend. Japanese legend Kendo Nagasaki passes away at 71. Um, La Parca, too. It was a injury sustained in the ring from a dive, and he just never recovered from the injuries. Uh, Nagasaki, it was actually a pacemaker that just failed. Um, a lot of people don't know who Kendo Nagasaki was. He was a Dragon Master back in the late days of the NWA, early days of WCW. He actually headlined the main event of Clash of Champions 10. He began in 1971, retired in 2001. But Rick, I think the thing that people need to recognize Kendo Nagasaki for is he and his tag team partner, Mr. Hito, they got awful hot at a little uh, promotion up in Canada called Stampede, and they ended up being the trainers of one Brett the Hitman Hart. I think they did a pretty good job. <laughs> I'd say when you're talking about, you go back and you look at someone's past and their contributions. There's so many individuals, you know, we want to remember for what they what they actually did inside the ring. That's not necessarily the case. I mean, you look at the legacy they left here, and it extends now to one, you know, someone that we that we talk about as one of the absolute greatest, and they played a huge role in helping sculpt that. I did find it ironic that Kendo Nagasaki, I mean, clearly a Japanese name, was originally played by a European man who wore a mask. When uh, Nagasaki actually adopted this, he switched it over to face paint and whatnot. So it was, uh, it looked a little bit cooler. But yeah, the Japanese guy wasn't the original Kendo Nagasaki. Kind of just an interesting little tidbit. Huckleberry, let's uh, let's talk about ROH. And uh, maybe we should rename ROH. Maybe it should be the Skrull of Honor. As uh, they have backed up the Brinks truck. They gave it all to Marty Skrull. Uh, Absolutely ridiculous dollar amount is out there and being reported. Um, And it has also now been confirmed that Marty is going to be taking over as the head booker for Ring of Honor. And there's a lot of people very, very excited about it. Hell, me and MSG last night, we had this great conversation about he was trying to tell me how maybe Marty can, you know, branch the gap between ROH and AEW. And I was like, well, that's stupid. Why would AEW want to work with Ring of Honor? What's in it for AEW? Uh, nothing. But... Marty taking over as the lead booker. We know they have needed a shakeup and creative for a very, very long time. The only question is, we don't know if Marty has any idea what to do as a booker. But it's, it's got to, you mentioned it. You had a conversation there with him. But she also had a conversation with him about this. A, a great conversation. We were, you know, we were talking more of the financials on this end and Sinclair's intentions with Ring of Honor. And what what is potentially the, the return on investment here with, giving so much to Marty and backing him here. To me, this is really the story of the weekend. And I know there's so much excited about some, you know, excitement around some things that we're going to talk about later. But in for so many weeks, Jargo, we've been talking about 
the direction of this company. What will 2020 look like for Ring of Honor? They seem to hit that reset button. We were surprised by some of the departures. We were surprised by some of the re-ups. Uh, as we're going to talk about these shows over the last couple of days, we're seeing a, a flux of new talent in, introduce, being introduced into the promotion. But through all of that, we regularly discuss the importance and no pun intended here, the impact that needed to be made by Ring of Honor to stay relevant on that second tier, that that very loaded dance card there, they needed to make a major move. And in our eyes, it was to secure Marty Scroll and to do whatever they could here and it to go over the top with a mega offer. The time we were just talking financials, we didn't even explore this possibility. I think they hit a home run here. This is a risk worth taking for Ring of Honor. But as you just said, Jargo, we don't have a proven track record here. This is very fresh water. But I think that that is a that is a huge positive because the competition does not know this. The fans do not know this. This is going to excite the masses. And as we look at the number one month for re-ups here for Honor Club, it's going to be now through February because that's when it launched. And they were so successful in selling those year-long subscription plans. You and I jumped on that. Yep. And we had been talking about how we each were pretty much sold on not renewing. I think this has swayed me to renew because I'm interested to see what direction now that they can go with a fresh start with Marty. We talked about, hey, just giving him giving him the promotion where he should have been the face back at MSG where they kind of they missed the mark there. To me, this is better than that. This is better than giving him the championship and saying, all right, go be the face of our company. This is this is really giving him the keys to the car. And for their target audience, that demographic they're hitting is that that very over the top, the bubble within the bubble, smart audience. This is an exciting move for all of them. This is going to drive the streaming service. I, you know, and I don't think this, and as, as I was trying, you know, I was talking with MSG, I was trying to express to him, I don't think Marty, I don't think the intent there was to do really anything television wise to increase those ratings. It's about live event. It's about streaming and other digital media outlets to increase, you know, their value and their views and their attraction. Yeah. Um, we looked it up last night and it seemed to me that for what I have been told that Marty is going to get paid by ring of honor, um, by comparison, Sinclair could syndicate. What was it? 14 episodes, 15 episodes of modern family. And I so mean, in, in the, look at the content, you know, I, the thing about ring of honor is the budget has been so low that even paying Marty Skrull a ridiculous balance, the budget for ring of honor is still incredibly low for Sinclair broadcasting. I I'm with you, man. This was absolutely a win-win situation for ring of honor. Uh, it does sound like delirious is going to remain on the creative team. He is just not going to be the lead booker in charge. So I'm interested to see what these next set of upcoming shows is going to look like. And, and I really don't look at this as like a demotion for delirious. It was, it's just, it's a time to freshen some things up. It's he, been he's been at the he's been while. at the head of the table for so long. He still has a lot to contribute. Is he still running the dojo? As far as I know, yes. Okay, so he's still heavily involved there. But let's get a fresh take in there, right? Let's liven some things up here. And who better than I mean, who speaks to that that hipper wrestling audience than Marty? And now immediately too, with putting Marty in this position, 
you're, you're just kind of mentioning it. Would there be a partnership between hey, him and AEW? I think he's in this position because, hey, we want you to seriously rival this group. If there's anyone that understands their mindset, it's Marty. It's Marty. Yeah. Absolutely. And you got to think that you got to think it, he would embrace this opportunity. I mean, it's not it's not a war, but it's a great challenge, right? To kind of go back and forth with some friends to see what you've got. We've regularly talked about what would be a great destination for a free agent, Marty Scroll. Where should he go? And the main talking point in all of that was stay out of the shadows. Do not go back to the sidekick. Yeah. This supersedes all of that. Having the, having the book in your the palm of your hands to taking the ultimate control there. This is a great signing, a great opportunity all around here. And as you said, the financials, when we step back, you know, when we're looking at it just inside that wrestling bubble, we're like, man, that's a lot of money. You know, is, is this the right investment for Ring of Honor? But when you step back and you look at what, what Ring of Honor is to Sinclair, this is a this is just a you know, a drop in the bucket. I mean, even if you just run one episode a week, which is not what happens at all. I mean, they use Ring of Honor, at least at the stations that I work at, to fill about three hours apiece. There's about six hours of ROH content over the course of the weekend at the station that I work at that they don't have to worry about a syndication fee. But even if you just run one episode a week, you get 15 episodes of Modern Family, and then you repeat them, and then you repeat them, and then you repeat them. Whereas this is 52 weeks a year content, I think this is a great move for ROH. Yeah, you know, where I'm at here, uh, the Cincinnati market on stadium, there's two hours of ring of honor, you know, every day, Monday through yeah. Friday. Yeah. I mean, just, just the syndicate cost. That it and, and those are the them. ones. Yeah. Those are the ones I know, you know, and then you usually, you know, if you're up late night, you know, in that midnight to 3am, yep. you can regularly find a ring of honor and they use all of that. They go back, you know, the first run each, you know, Monday through Friday, I think it's, it's at five o'clock is a current ring of honor. And then at six, they go back and show you something from the past. Yeah. Just hopefully they actually make that show worth watching because recently it's been awful. Before we jump into the action with ring of honor this weekend, where do you see this taking Marty? You know, cause as I was just talking about, we were all right. He should be the face of this thing. He should be in the main event scene, the world champion. Is this a transition for Marty? Is this one of those where he realizes, okay, I do have a ceiling inside the ring. My size is going to get at me. The style is going to break down my body. I need to start making that transition to let people know that I'm more valuable as a mind than I am a talent. He's only 31. You know, like if he if he was five years older, I would say, yeah, he's kind of looking at that transition. But, you know, maybe Marty ends up becoming like the next, you know, giant creative genius inside of ROH. I mean, clearly he knows how to get himself over. Let's see if he can get some other people over. Uh, let's take a look at these two shows that they presented here over the course of the weekend. ROH Saturday night at Center Stage in Mexico. I mean, Atlanta, Georgia. Huckleberry, did you get a chance to watch this show? Because if you would have told me this show was in Tijuana, I would have believed you. Uh, absolutely. I, I went back and checked this thing out. I wanted to make sure I was up. So I, I did my absolute best to get caught up on everything that we had to review here uh, inside the locker room in the Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling podcast. But yeah, hell yeah, I saw this, baby. And, and you're right. This this was a very unique atmosphere. This was weird. I mean, like at a certain point, I had to hit the mute button because of all the air horns going off and the crazy soccer chants, which, we're yeah, we're going to talk about that when we get to Blackpool. Dear freaking God. 
I'm not sure which fan base was more annoying, but man, the Mexican contingent out in full force, and they absolutely love them some Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee defeats Andrew Everett in the opening match to retain the ROH TV championship. Huckleberry, the one thing that really stood out to me, this Andrew Everett's first match in five months due to a knee injury, and it looks like this guy ate Andrew Everett. Well, hey guys, Rick Vickery here from RBV Fitness. And I just wanted to take a moment to give you the tip of the day. And this is going to be something that that you really want to hold on to, that you're going to, if you want to look like Andrew Everett, now here is your key to this thing. It is McDonald's two for five. Now what this is right now for $5, just $5, you can have your choice of a quarter pounder with cheese, a Big Mac, or a 10-piece chicken nugget. But what we're going to do right now, we're going to, we're just going to get rid of that chicken nugget. We have no use for that. So we've got ourselves a quarter pounder with cheese, and a Big Mac. Now, here's where we really got to grind it out. We're going to double down here. We're going to get two of these. So for $10, we're getting two Quarter Pounders with cheese, two Big Macs. Now, I know you're asking, RBV, what about a soda and sides? Well, here's, here's the beauty of the system. Right now, you can get any large soda for $1. Then you go download the McDonald's app every day, a dollar large fry. You talk about an incredible workout, an incredible system, two quarter pounders with cheese, two Big Macs, a large soda of your choice. I'm going to suggest that you get that special McDonald's Coca-Cola. It has that, that extra sweet syrup in there to really set that off and a large fry. Now, that's how you get the grind at RBV Fitness. And if that doesn't work for you, you can visit StevieRichardsFitness.com and you can get in the best shape of your life. Here's a word from Stevie Richards. Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program. All right, Huckleberry, so what do you think of uh, Dragon Lee's first championship defense of the ROH TV championship? While this guy looks like he ate Andrew Everett, he still works like he's Andrew Everett. Um, It did seem like at first he was kind of uh, questionable on that knee. He wasn't sure how much he trusted it. But by the end of the match, I thought these two guys had a real nice flow going on. Yeah, and I think, you know, they did have that one missed spot, correct, with the uh, the Pele kick? Yep. You know, later in the match, but... And it seemed like the crowd it lost a little steam there. But these guys, the flow was tremendous between these two. They were able to pick it right back up, get that crowd re-energized. I think this set a great tone here. And and I like that. I know I saw some people questioning, okay, why is Everett getting this opportunity? I think this was a great showcase match to come back here. Dragon Lee, absolutely hot. You reintroduce Everett, who, you know, unfortunately had to be pushed to the sidelines on that injury. But I think this brings him right back into contention. So now he's a legit contender, and Dragon Lee's rolling on. As you said, man, they they absolutely love him there. And in that presentation, man, it's infectious. People are going to catch on to this as as they start to travel here. And I think Dragon Lee could have a tremendous 2020. 
for Ring of Honor. Yeah, I completely agree. My only issue with Dragon Lee right now inside of ROH is he's being presented as a heel, and he is clearly not. That whole La Faction in Gobernable, like, I'm sorry, Roosh is not a heel. Dragon Lee is not a heel. You're not going to get people to boo him with that moveset. It's just not happening. And, and inside that moveset, too, and, and what I really, we're talking about, you know, Ring of Honor right now has kind of been on, it's been on blast with their low attendance for their live events. And kind of these weak audiences that aren't into these programs, they have built a strong, a strong fluency throughout their roster with the Hispanic, you know, Hispanic talents. Yeah. They need, in their strategizing, they need to realize this and go to those markets where you have larger Hispanic populations and let these guys become your focal points. Run around them. Look at the energy inside this match. You know, if you can, I had no idea that out. the Hispanic market was that big in Atlanta. Like when I think of Atlanta wrestling, I don't think of Tijuana, Mexico. It was crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, and, and even further than that, find out where those markets are at or where you have those, those larger populations and work with their community groups. Make yeah. sure they're aware of this and make sure they have transportation getting there. Give them some discounts right now. I mean, hell, Ring of Honor, you're running free shows. You're struggling right now. You can afford to slash some prices just to get that excitement back. And again, you know, you've got your, you've got maybe the most powerful parent company inside professional wrestling, arguably, in Sinclair. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's obvious they're not asking the world of you. you know, so bring some energy, bring some excitement to this thing. Bully Ray calls out Maria Manic. Um, Rick, Bully Ray on the microphone in 2020 is just absolutely hilarious to me. This entire shtick going on with Bobby Cruz and Bully Ray is one of my favorite things in all of pro wrestling. Uh, he told Caprice Coleman that he sucks, and then Caprice told Bully that he swallows. I popped for that. Um, Bully gets in the ring, demands Bobby Cruz bring him the microphone instead of just grabbing the microphone on his way into the ring. Like, just little detail stuff like that. Bully Ray is so good. He calls out Maria Manic, and, and they play this game where he's like, I bet you won't come down to the floor. I bet you won't get up on the ring apron. I bet you won't get in the ring. All of this resulting in Bully Ray once again putting Maria Manic through a table. Rick... It, if this is sports entertainment, this is sports entertainment done right. Because I was thoroughly entertained by this entire segment. Absolutely. We were talking before about individuals that want to be different that get it. Yeah, at the top of that list has to be Bully Ray, correct? Yeah. He doesn't He doesn't care. You know, he's not one of these people that are out here. They got to love my moves that I want him to absolutely love me. Bully Ray generally doesn't give a shit. And there are very few individuals that, that are at that point right now. Well, it's the same thing with Jericho, right? Like, he's a living legend. I was going to put Jericho there. Yeah. You know, instead of going out there and trying to pander. And, you know, Jericho will, will be silly at times. But he he knows how to make it work. He's one of those individuals that can flip that switch where you're, you're still, you're still going to respect the shit out of him. And he's got you to a point where you respect him so much, you're going to play along with it. Well, and it, it's, it's not like a, it's not like a case of where Kevin Owens is out there trying to heal it up and you're not helping him out at all. You're making his, you know, when he's doing something like that, you're making his job harder. So play along with it. Get involved. Love to hate that individual. And in the case of someone like Bully Ray, you, you do it subconsciously. 
I think it's a game to them, right? Like they go out there, they know that crowd wants to cheer them because they are living legends. We respect everything they have given to this business. And they're like, all right, let's see what I got to do to get them to boo me. And it becomes a game for them, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's the ultimate work. It's great. It's absolutely great. I don't, you don't call me out. I call you out. Absolutely great. Uh, then we have the Allure defeat Sumi Sakai and Nicole Savoy. This Women of Honor division is just in shambles now that everything has happened with Kelly Klein. And it seems as though she has left the company, but we haven't seen the championship since. And they haven't taken the championship off of her. And nobody's really sure what in the hell is going on. So we're just doing random tag matches. So screw it. Let's turn Sumi Sakai heel. It feels like it's been coming for about six months, and all of a sudden, it seems like we have a full-blown heel turn of Sumi Sakai. After the match, she just lays out Nicole Savoy, and then we would see Sumi take on Nicole Savoy night two. I I thought this was well done. It's nice to see an angle inside of the Women of Honor rather than just random matches for no apparent reason. Uh, Absolutely. At least we're getting some, some kind of development here. As you said, I mean, there was kind of that slow burn towards this thing. But I got to say, the timing in this one kind of took me off guard. It surprised me to see this happen here. It was a pleasant surprise. We're, we're getting something to to add some intrigue to this division. Immediately, one of the first thoughts I that I had as I had heard the Marty news was I was interested to see what kind of team he was going to put together. And I was hoping that they bring in someone that really could to, to bring back some life if you will, I mean, how much was there ever really there, but could really find a direction here for women of honor. Yeah. I, I'm just not sure what talent is out there to even bring in that would help fix I, it. You see right now, if I could sit down at a round table and just give suggestions for some tremendous talent, uh, I'm revamped this division. I mean, I could give you eight of them. Yeah. But then you run into that AEW problem where nobody knows who they are. So nobody cares. And everybody just shits all over them for the sake of shitting all over them. Well, it, it, then it's a case of, it's not where you're overloading just to bring people in. You have to have a commitment to introducing these individuals. And that isn't by means of eight person tags. Right. I mean, it's, th- it's, it's 60 to 90 second vignettes that can be very powerful that can introduce these individuals. Uh, and at that point, I wouldn't mind right now, even, you know, if you're interested in it and some people are just going to, they're going to watch wrestling. If you can find the right time with like a slower weekend or whenever it might be to run a women of honor special show, it could be just an hour. It doesn't have to be an over the top production, but seriously, get it out there, introduce them. We were talking about Marty's influence here is hopefully to drive the streaming, the digital media, the live events, use those to really introduce these new talents. There are some tremendous ladies out there on the independent circuit that can wrestle circles around what we're seeing, what I believe in AEW, inside WWE, and especially here with Women of Honor. Yeah. And and they're, they're based. They're based out of major Ring of Honor markets. Yep. The two ladies I talked about at the top of this show, Maxine Paler, Megan Bain, they would be right up there. Zoe Sky, Jocelyn Navarro, round and round. About what you could sample here. Uh, Callie down there at OVW, who's working with WoW and all that. There are so many tremendous talents with great personalities, great personas that you could bring in to mix into your, your top talent here in Women of Honor, and you could have a tremendously successful division. 
Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, Dak Drapper defeats Jason Cade. That was a match that happened on this show. Um, and then we got to the most interesting match on this show for me. Jonathan Gresham defeats Josh Woods via countout. Um, and I thought this match was absolutely fantastic. Just working over Woods' knee the entire matchup. And when Jonathan Gresham wants to zero in on a body part, he's absolutely terrifying. I learned a whole bunch of things about Octopi over the course of this weekend, Huckleberry. Jonathan Gresham, down the most scary man in all of professional wrestling to me. You know they have the genetic code twice that of a homo sapien? Twice that. They can actually change their genetic code. They have nine fucking brains. Crazy shit. Terrifying. Terrifying creatures. Absolutely. It, it, just imagine what you could do for you know that character, that persona, if you regularly got that out there and, and put that into his mindset of what kind of danger you're in when you step inside the ring with this gentleman. Yeah, just terrifying creatures. Um, we get the figure four on the floor. That goes to a 16 count. Gresham gets back in the ring. Woods can't get up to answer the count. It was a fantastic match, and the crowd is chanting, this is boring. What the hell happened to Ring of Honor? Like, there was a time when the Ring of Honor faithful would have been erupting for this match, Rick, and instead we have Little Mexico going on with Dragon Lee and Bandito and Flamita and Ray Horace and Roosh, and this is boring? I love the hell out of this match. It, hey, I I love the divide here. You want something that's hot? I mean, this you could get some of these guys together. I know they're working against each other right now. That they're you know, these sides are all kind of they're focused on the tag team division and those championships. But you could start like a, a some kind of like one side is like old school, like the Varsity Club. We yeah. are the purest. We're the purest. And then you've got. As we were talking about, if you can find those fan bases to keep that energy on both sides of this thing that want the dot, 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 the floor routine, man, you could you could create a great clash, like a, almost a mini heart foundation versus the world or, you know, stone, you know, the Patriots, Stone Cold, Shamrock, who, you know, America versus the world, the heart foundation sort of vibe in there, but within styles. If they keep giving Josh Woods opponents like Jonathan Gresham. I see big things for Josh Woods in 2020. If he's got to go out there and wrestle a bunch of luchadors, I don't know how well this is going to work out. Uh, I could see, hey, the, the next the next four guys we're going to be talking about here. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, six. Four, four of the six or all six of them would make great dance partners with Woods. Yeah, absolutely. The Briscoes defeat the team of Lifeblood, Haskins and Williams, as well as Jeff Cobb and Dan Moff. Uh, Jeff Cobb and Dan Moff is the tag team that I never knew that I wanted, that I am so happy they have found one another. I want to see the Briscoes versus Jeff Cobb and Dan Moff for the next six months. Just just give it to me for uh, titles, no titles, doesn't matter. I just want to see that feud for like six months. Absolutely. With Moff and Cobb, I found myself regularly over both nights watching these matches and just saying, damn, they look good together. Yeah. This is a tremendous fit, and this is a force to be reckoned with. And as you said, hey, regularly we throw it out there. You ask me any kind of matchup I want to see, eight out of ten times it's going to involve the Briscoes versus somebody. And absolutely I want to see this damn thing. Yeah. And I want to see this in an extended program with a huge build and a big payoff. What the hell do we do with Lifeblood? 
Like this thing is just dead in the freaking water. It never really got out of the gate. What the hell do we do with Lifeblood? Because I'm ready for everybody to just kind of go their separate ways. The, the, the engine blew up on this thing as soon as they revved up the engine. It never had a fresh start. You lose, I mean, immediately you lose Dashwood, you lose Juice, who were pretty Finley. much the focal points. Yeah, then Finley's gone there. And so now you're left with kind of these scraps here, tremendous talents. You know, they, they wow, they thrill and all that. They need a new direction. You need to scrap this lifeblood issue and just move forward with these guys if you're going to have, if you're going to get it, really tap that true potential with them. Yeah. The thing I was most looking forward to on this show on paper was Shane Taylor addressing his future inside of Ring of Honor. And that's what would come up next. Shane comes out. He even calls out Joe Coff. Yeah, good old white-haired Joe Coff comes walking out to the ring. He doesn't actually get in the ring because ain't nobody getting in the ring with Shane Taylor if Shane Taylor don't want him to. And Shane says, I will re-sign with Ring of Honor if... I want a shot at the six-man tag team championships alongside my boys, the Sons of Savagery. I want an ROH world title shot at any time and at any place when I choose. Sounds a lot like a money in the bank kind of situation to me. And he wants to be featured on every ROH poster for every show throughout 2020. And he, of course, wants the maximum salary allowed underneath of his second contract. Huckleberry, this segment was absolutely fantastic, and I am now calling Shane Taylor will be the next Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. But you, you say money in the bank. I say that's a tailor-made championship opportunity. Very well played. But yeah, it, this right here, this is something that, this is a great story that they've got going. This is some tremendous development. Going back to 2019, and we're looking at the exits from Ring of Honor you know, we were kind of disappointed. Shane puts out there, Mr. Taylor puts out there, on to greener pastures, see what's out there for me. We understood at that time he accomplished so much, arguably a breakout star of 2019. Thought he was going to be moving on. Where could he go? What would happen? Was it all a ploy? Was he working us? Was it a tremendous work? Because it plays perfectly into what the, the evolution of his character has, what we're getting now. And, and I love him. He's, he's tremendous on the mic here. He looks like a million bucks. He is pulling this thing off to a T. Yeah, absolutely. Just great stuff out of Shane Taylor. Um, then we have the ROH six-man tag team championships because for one reason or another, those still exist. And now all of a sudden, with seeing this huge Lucha Libre influence inside of ROH, we're never going to get rid of it. Uh, Marty comes out and he explains that tonight we are going to put the six-man tag team championships on the line, even though PCO is not going to be part of the match because he is, of course, in the main event, but Flip Gordon is going to substitute in for him. We're clearly doing Freebird rules with Villain Enterprises. Fine with all that. And then we get Bandito, Flamita, and Ray Horace defeat Villain Enterprises to win these championships. It, man, at a certain point, man, I could not stand this. I actually ended up hitting the mute button because it sounded like Little Mexico with all the goddamn air horns going off. Um, the matchup was fantastic. I did not see this finish coming, but maybe I should have because over the course of the weekend, we also had it reported that Bandito has inked a new deal with Ring of Honor, which we also called as soon as they brought in his tag team partner, Flamita. You know, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I mean, this thing was it was over the top. These fans right here, they are rallying behind this style. The Ring of Honor has something special here. I think just, you know, if they're going to move in that direction, Jugger, you're asking why why do we still have these six-man cha- championships? This is exactly why. You can get some people involved. You can have these high high impact over the top matches here. And we don't really need storylines and programs with the six man championship. It's not really about that, is it? Well, they just they never take it seriously. That's the problem. If they would just take it seriously, and now maybe they will, because it seems like we're putting together a bunch of trios teams. I mean, we have La Faccion and Gobernable. We have Villain Enterprises still out there. We have this Mexi Blood contingent. Like, who knows what Vinny is going to put together with his little team. Maybe you get Chuckles, Vinny, and uh, Bateman all together, and, and they go after the six-man titles. I mean, there, there's a lot of potential inside of this trios division. I've just never been a fan of trios wrestling. Well, I mean, but, I, but it speaks to the movement, the direction of Ring of Honor here. Yeah, and you can, and you can use it as like a, a side venture, where even let's, let's say one of those names you threw out there, Vinny, he could be holding a six man championship or chasing that with his crew, but it's like a it's a secondary issue for him as he focuses on the television championship or the world championship. I don't know why this just occurred to me. But we've heard all this talk about uh, Mike Kanellis leaving the WWE. Could you see like a third rejuvenation of the kingdom with Taven, Bennett, and TK? I could get behind that. I could absolutely get behind that. Hell yeah. Uh, Let's talk about Roosh. Roosh takes on PCO for the ROH World Heavyweight Championship. This, of course, is rematch from Final Battle. And it ends up in a disqualification because Roosh doesn't give a fuck. He takes out Todd Sinclair and then he takes out the other referee who comes out because he doesn't count fast enough for Roosh either. I did not understand this, Rick. I just like why if you want your championship back so bad, why do you go completely out of your way to get disqualified? Like it, it just seemed like an escape hatch so that we could get out of this. And I don't like that at all. Yeah, it, it it didn't paint Roosh in the best spotlight. And it didn't paint PCO in the best spotlight either because this is his first championship defense and it ends up in disqualification. Like, I think this is going to be the problem with PCO. Like, he is, I love PCO, don't get me wrong, but he is about as spot monkey as you can get spot monkey. Like, he should not be the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. I love PCO. I'm glad that he got this honor, but I don't see this title reign lasting for very long. Absolutely. And you kind of, in everything that we've seen him go through, I mean, he is the indestructible. He is the unhuman, the undead. You kind of paint yourself in that corner of, okay, now how the hell do you get the title off of him? Yep. Same reason they never put the title on Andre. How the hell do you get it off of him? Well, and in, and also to make that comparison, inside of itself, they're both spectacles that didn't necessarily need the championship. Yep. I mean, sure, it, it was a great moment there at Final Battle. You know, a, a very rewarding, something that he had earned coming back through so much adversity, reinventing himself, and it's something great for the fan base too. But when you look forward, but when you look forward, now you present yourself with a number of hurdles. It's going to be interesting because I feel like ROH right now is that company that just has no identity. 
You know, like when I watch MLW, I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get this fusion of styles. When I watch Impact Wrestling, I know what I'm going to get. It's going to be the Tessa Blanchard show. When I watch AEW, I know what I'm going to get. It's going to be in incredible athleticism with not necessarily very good storytelling. When I watch New Japan, I know what I'm going to get. When I watch WWE, I know what I'm going to get. What the fuck is Ring of Honor right now? Yeah, and I think that's the exciting part right now is once Marty really gets his hands in this dough, what kind of pizza is he going to make? Well, we would see the first piece of dough get flying out. Maybe it's a piece of pepperoni. Nick Aldis, the real world's heavyweight champion, makes an appearance at the end of this show. We would also see him start off Honor Reign Supreme. It seems as though we're going to rekindle this NWA and Ring of Honor thing. And I'm absolutely down with that as long as the Briscoes get to go to the NWA and beat people up because they declared war on the NWA. And I don't think that war is over. Well, we certainly have unfinished business. You had mentioned earlier a working relationship between AEW and Ring of Honor and what would be beneficial for AEW. Not a whole lot. Here we have two promotions that could really rely on one another. Absolutely. And really cross-promote to help grow each of their brands, especially as they as they rely heavily on those social media outlets. Yep. Absolutely agreed. So here are the results from ROH's Honor Reign Supreme. Uh, in total defense, I was watching this as well as Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill, as well as my Green Bay Packers, all at the same time while in a NyQuil coma. So some of the details are kind of hazy on this one. Ray Horace defeats Andrew Everett to start off the show. Then we get this tag team of Joe Hendry and Dalton Castle. They defeat the Briscoes, PJ Black, and Brian Johnson. Uh, this PJ Black and Brian Johnson thing is a whole lot of fun, but it's very, very undercard at this point, so I don't want to dwell on that. But Rick, Dalton Castle had boys. He had the whole big like peacock robe back. Like, Did Dalton Castle magically turn back into babyface Dalton Castle, and I just missed the memo? I think it was like one of those uh, uh, Miz turns. Yeah. Yeah, just or you blink and you miss it there, but or Charlotte turn. But I think it was a little. Re- I think it was. Uh, I think it was the same robe, wasn't it? Yeah, it might have been. Might have been. But hey, hey, do not do not go messing with her robe. As uh, Nikki Cross found out, right? Or uh, who 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 was the one that got the ass beaten? I don't know. I don't watch that show. Who was who was the Viking girl that was with? Uh, oh, uh, Sarah Logan. Sarah Logan, yes. Yeah. Yeah, she disrespected the robe, man. She she felt the wrath of Char Char last week. So you you don't want to be stealing her robe. But Dalton Castle, good to good to see the the character back here. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm curious to see if that continues. Uh, Sumi Sakai defeats Nicole Savoy in the grudge match, 24 hours in the making. Dak Drapper defeats Danhausen. Danhausen is getting over. And I don't understand why people like Danhausen, but people seem to really, really like Danhausen. Huckleberry, are you in or are you out on Danhausen? I feel like this is Cheeseburger 2.0. Well, I, I think there certainly is a, a short shelf life and uh, certainly a low ceiling, but I like the character. It's getting over. It's ridiculous. All those circle wipes, just awful. Alex Zane defeats Bandito. Alex Zane. Uh, this one caught me completely off guard. Uh, Huckleberry, this guy looks like he is the love child of Ace Austin and Matt Taven. And they have him go out and beat Bandito. Like, what the fuck just happened? 
it, it was one of those moments. It, I kind of tuned out during the match a little bit because I just figured, okay, uh, they'll, they'll have a little dance. They'll go back and forth here. Bandito over. And uh, I, I was over there watching football. And then, boom, holy, holy smokes, where'd that come from? After This was one of the big shockers for Ring of Honor this weekend. And not that it's has some huge rippling effect across the roster or programming or anything like that, but no, but the next time I see Alex Zane on a card, I'm going to pay a little bit more attention, you know, Yeah, that's for sure. Lifeblood defeats the team of Vincent and Bateman via disqualification. When chuckles, the clown brings in a giant block of wood and uh, starts taking people out. This was really, really weird. I'm not exactly sure what I make out of it. Uh, the only good news is Matt Tiemann is currently recovering from ankle surgery and is expected back soon so that we can get the continuation of this Taven and Vincent thing. The the horror show here, man. I, I, I'm digging these guys. Really I like horror? the vibe. I, 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 got what, I like what they're doing here. It really it sets the tone. You know what they're about, especially just during the entries. I like Bateman, man. There's just something about that guy. Dan Moff, Jeff Cobb, Jay Lethal, and Jonathan Gresham. Really, Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham. At least they took all the credit. Defeat the team of the Bouncers and two guys, one tag. Huckleberry, this was uh, about the time when the football game was getting really, really good, and I barely paid attention to this match. Uh, Again, this was just telling a story, an overall story within the tag division. You've got, you know, right now, the the – challengers versus the champs teaming up on one side there with Cobb and math teaming up with lethal and Gresham. So it was really more about their story than what was going on across the ring. So it was kind of a dominating performance. I kind of felt like this was uh planting the seeds for Cobb and Moff versus lethal and Gresham. I felt no, like it, that, was a, the, that, that was the, that was the point. No, that's the whole point of this because that match is happening. Oh, it is. I thought yeah, it was going to be two guys, one tag versus uh lethal and Gresham. Uh, they the have next. their shot. I, they have their shot coming as well, but I, I believe that they have announced that down the line that Map and Cobb are, are set for this thing. Oh, that's entirely possible. And I was paying much closer attention to the football game. I thought so. I don't know. I was doing the same thing. <laughs> Maria Manic gets one up on Bully Ray on night two. I, I thought that was the mistake. Um, I, I would have kept putting Bully Ray over on her. Uh, I don't know. I absolutely love this segment inside of itself. Bully again, so masterful. Absolute brilliance on the mic for him to come out. Did you catch? I know you were in the game there when he addresses the young couple in the front row. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, usually when you see this, you know, he's asking, <laughs> You're dating that? You're dating that? And, you know, usually when you see something like this, it's, it's a shot at the guy. Well, he turns and points to the guy like, hey, buddy, I can't believe how miserable your life is that you have to roll over every morning and realize that you're with that. And he's putting her down, which plays so perfectly into this entire thing with bully, bullying, manic, where he's attacking this female. She's not supposed to be there. They're putting over. She hasn't been cleared. She is not in the building. A great pop when she shows up inside the ring here. And I like that she got a little bit of redemption. I don't know. I just felt like the timing was off. I felt like I would have I would have saved this for like Supercard of Honor, you know, like when she finally gets one up on Bully Ray. I, see, I don't. Is that stretching it a little too far? I think now you've got that little bit of intrigue. How about Bully selling this thing afterwards? <laughs> Bully's. I mean, just, he he's great. I, I love this. I mean, he's he, 
Went through a table. How many tables do you think that Bully Ray has gone through throughout his career? Hundreds. Hundreds. I was going to say thousands? Yeah, probably at this point. <laughs> a few thousand? I mean, this, and he sold this thing. If this just wasn't a regular table spot for him, it was like a Mack truck put him through this table. He couldn't, he didn't know where he was at. He was dazed, confused. He needs help going to the back and on the way out, leaving the ring. Who's going to get in his two cents here? The great voice, the hobby cruise. Hey, I got something to say to you. <laughs> you stuck in, in perfect cruise fashion, you know, where it's like you, so you let you expect, well, you'd expect somebody to like go off the handle, right? Drop some kind of curse word, an F bomb, whatever it might be. And you got to believe that's about as foul of a mouth that Bobby Cruz is going to have. You suck. <laughs> and the place goes, the place pops for it. Yeah. Pro wrestling done right. And they just continue. Bully Ray still, she's so out of it and confused. He don't even know what's happening. He still needs to be helped to the back. <laughs> Flip Gordon defeats Flamita. Um, it seems like this might be the future of honor, if you want to call it that. And then we have La Faccion Ingobernable defeating the team of a villain enterprises rick when this match started i i sent you a message and i was like and here comes all the star power all in one match yeah absolutely and this was i think this was hey let's we had a great weekend of shows here let's send everybody home happy we know we've got this new energized fan base that is behind this lucha style and that's what we got here You, you had your new crew Standing tall. I'm just hoping that Marty doesn't start booking himself and all of his friends like the elite have booked themselves in AEW. That's what I don't want to see is, is Marty being so self-aware. Oh, I can't win matches because I'm the lead booker now. And uh, yeah, things could go south very, very quickly here. Let's talk about impact wrestling. They're hard to kill. Pay-per-view came up to us last night. Huckleberry. I know I tried to watch this show. You tried to watch this show. We were both having streaming issues with the show kind of run through the results here. And then we'll, we'll talk about everything going on surrounding the main event. Ken Shamrock defeats Madman Fulton to start the show off. Ace Austin defeats Trey of the rascals. Taya retains the knockouts championship over ODB and Jordan grace. Then we get to our first interesting story off of the show. RVD defeats Brian Cage with like a, a super van Terminator. Um, and then immediately it comes out that Cage has signed with AEW. Well, after I crashed out last night from my NyQuil coma, um, it seems as though Melissa Santos took to Twitter and she says, really? How can you confirm something that isn't true? I'm his wife and I can confirm he hasn't signed on any dotted line which makes it sound to me like the deal is done in principle. It's just the contract has not been signed. Huckleberry, what do you make of this entire Brian Cage situation with Impact Wrestling? And do you want to see him in AEW? Well, you know, first, I, I want to talk about RVD here. I, I'm loving this act. You know, the, Impact Wrestling needed something to replace uh, the smoke show, right? Yeah. So what do you do? You turn to the actual smoke show. <laughs> RVD, and you just have him bring in his girls, right? Hey, Tremendous act. And I love, like, you know, the promos he cuts on on the shows that you see on social media. Absolutely. RVD, 2020, reinventing himself. Tremendous job. Uh, incredible stuff. This was one of the big stories, you know, surrounding Hard to Kill. We get this during, you know, prior to the show. Up in the last couple hours as we're about ready to go to air here, Brian Cage is heading to AEW. 
actually want to put over our boy William Alicia. He had this thing in his bag of exclusives last week that this thing was about done. They were ready to sign it. He figured out of respect he would hold on to it until midnight when his deal with Impact Wrestling expired. And then a couple of other sites got word of it, and they broke this thing first. So I, I want to give props to Will. He had this thing, and he wanted to do it right. So, you know, props to him there. But isn't the wife the last one to know usually? I mean, could it have been Cage saying, hey, I, I got, all right. I want to make sure that this this amount's getting deposited into my joint account, but I, I got my I got my side account over here that I need you to take care of. No, I think this is just complete and utter legal bullshit. You know, I, I, mean? I know, I know. It's just it, it's it's one of those things probably where everything is in place. It's just not and, signed, and just not signed. And when you're talking about you know his wife coming to his defense, or you know why are you guys talking about this? Is there also an issue of of respect to you know to impact wrestling or to keep the intrigue in the match yeah absolutely the people just aren't writing it off you know you're trying to handle business properly here you know we still have a commitment here to impact wrestling and we have to fulfill that till midnight then we can move on and celebrate those things there's another twist in the story that is kind of floating around out there that ring of honor actually submitted a bid or had a deal on the table they offered quite a bit more financially, but Cage chose AEW because of the exposure. Well, and we do know that Cage has wanted to and has worked with the Elite and uh, their crew behind the scenes as well. Uh, he was supposed to be in that one battle royal, and Impact Wrestling said, no, that's not going to happen, even though he was featured at All In. So there is a working relationship there. I don't know, man. Cage, to me, I really, really like Brian Cage, but I think that his best work was in Lucia underground before I saw Brian cage like every week for years. And it just doesn't feel like it's evolved at all beyond that. I think, you know, with cage as well, you know, Ben Hameen speaks to this regularly. You get to someone like him. Is he working smart enough? You know, where it's, he feels like he has to get his shit in every time. That's literally and, his Twitter account, Mr. GMSI. Yeah. And you know, as Ben's mentioned, who in the hell in this world is going to walk up to him and say, "No, you're not doing that"? Valid. I still think uh, I still think they should cast him as the next Wolverine. Overall, I mean, he's doing himself a greater disservice in having to work that style. Now it's going to be interesting to see where he blends into to AEW. That's my thing. Obviously, I don't know where he fits. They have so much talent; they don't know what to do with now already. I guess what's going for in his favor is that, look, he is so different from anyone else inside AEW. Yeah, there is that. Out, outside of the dude running around with MJF, uh, Wardlow. Wardlow, yeah. And Luchasaurus. But Cage isn't even that tall. You know, like, I, I bet you once you get Cage next to Kenny, Cage isn't going to look so big. You know, even last night, or uh, not last night, but on the the go home for this thing on Impact Wrestling, standing next to Rhino, I was kind of like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, yeah, it's all about comparison. Eddie Edwards defeats Michael Elgin in a, a very very odd match because for about half the match, I had no idea that was Eddie Edwards because I wasn't watching with sound; I was watching ROH with sound. Moose defeats Rhino. Um, I thought Moose looked an awful lot like King Mabel during his entrance. 
Uh, the North defeat the team of Rich Swan and Willie Mack minus injured Rich Swan. It was just Willie Mack out there. North made pretty good work of him. And then we get to the big controversy over the weekend. Tessa Blanchard defeats Sammy Callahan to become the Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion. And of course, just the day before the biggest match of her life, it would come out on Twitter that evidently Tessa said bad things to a girl in a locker room like three years ago. And I was like, oh, so so this is it. This is what the Internet's going to be outraged by today. Um, Rick. They still cheered Tessa Blanchard like she was a baby face inside of this entire thing. I was pitching that they should absolutely have Tessa win and then do a double turn. Let's turn Sammy baby face. Let's turn Tessa heel and just kind of go with this thing. They went straight baby face with Tessa Blanchard. What do you think going forward? Well, let's, you know, let's really let's step back here and look at this entire. I don't know. What, what would you call this? Ridiculousness. Yeah, Okay, I was going to say like scandal or PR backfire. I, you know, going into this thing too, if you were Impact Wrestling, you know, I was putting it out there in a, in a few of the circles that, that I'm involved in. I was like, it, you got to kind of kind of embrace this if you're Impact Wrestling. Controversy creates cash. How many people now? Yeah, how many people now are focused in and are concentrating and just talking about hard to kill? As a, you know, that wouldn't have been outside of this very intense situation, if you will. Yeah. So now they've got all these great eyes on them and, and more people probably going out of their way to f- try to find a stream here. Now that they've actually gone and pulled the trigger and, and followed through and put the championship on her, I'm expecting that they have a tremendous spike this week in their programming. People are going to be tuning in for this thing to see what the fallout is exactly. But the situation, so if you've got these workers coming out now, and they're the ones that seem to be on the attack, and they're bringing up all you know these accusations from the the big development is the racial slur, and well, it all started, it all started with Tessa Blanchard putting out a tweet that was something to the extent of you know, hey, when the women inside of this business actually support each other, good things happen. And that's what really set the whole thing off because then a bunch of her former co-workers came out and said, oh, supporting the women, you know, and basically just called her out as a hypocrite and tried to expose all the stuff going on behind the scenes with Tessa Blanchard. Not just the racism thing. There was a whole bunch of shit getting talked about well, Tessa yeah. Blanchard. And obviously, yeah. I mean, what, what triggered this thing is is Tessa once again trying to step up and be that, that voice for you know the women's movement forward in 2020 then you have chelsea green i believe was the first one the first major one to fire back oh really you know i've dealt with you in the locker room i've been bullied by you others have been and you know let's not forget to mention that incident that happened in japan correct three years ago was that sticking up for women so then you have like allison k come in i I think so kelly came in you got the slew of other individuals her her co-workers her peers that are firing off on her. Looking at this thing from uh, all around, you, you take that that big step back, you do that 360 walk, you look at it from every perspective. I don't think that anybody, I don't think that this was a positive for Tessa in any any direction. I don't think this is a positive for anyone that was attacking her. You're, you're talking about doing things for individuals and promoting women's talent and moving 
women's wrestling to that next level where we are going to see it as an equal or superior to any other division. To me, this entire thing has has brought the entire movement, if you will, the, the evolution two steps back. Uh, we see, you know, I can see the argument of the pettiness from those that came out in this timing to, to go on the attack or to expose Tessa. On Tessa's side, why do you feel the need that you have to be this voice? Why do you have to be this grand leader? Why don't you just worry about your own business? You have to realize inside your own world, you are not the most liked individual. You have to be able to see yourself for what you are, unless she's just really buying in to her own BS here and thinking that everyone really is trying to support her. She just Seth Rollins herself. Yes. I mean, th- that's exactly what this is. This is, When Seth Rollins knew that he was going to become the man, he started speaking out on Twitter. He started coming to the company's defense. He started trying to be that face of the brand. And all he did was shove his throat or shove his shoe right down his throat. That's what happened to Tessa Blanchard. She comes out. She's trying to be the face of Impact Wrestling. I'm about to win the championship. It's going to be all eyes on me. And let's get out there and support each other. And a bunch of her former co-workers were like, hey, how about fuck you? That's what just happened this weekend. And in both sides here, let's say, let's say with the, the former co-workers, they actually, they're working for other promotions. I'll, and I'll use Green for an example. She's with WWE. This is a case where WWE should have stepped in and said, hey, pull that thing. We don't want you even talking about her. Yep. Your, your business is here with us. You work for the biggest company in the world. You have a potential to be on. Sure, she's going to win a, a so-called world championship. You work for the defining company that defines championships. You have that opportunity. You don't care what's going on there. What's, what's okay? Hey, if I'm the NWA, stay away from that crap. Yep. You don't got to worry. You worry about what our company is going forward here. And obviously here with Tessa, this is, an, this is her trying to drum up some public relations stuff so that she can get some crossover promotion. It, we've seen inside the bubble this past weekend this build to hard to kill. Inside this professional wrestling bubble, people so excited. No, oh, it's just going to be the, that, that woman to break through. This is going to be a historic moment. People are going to love this. I was having a conversation last night uh, in a thread that Ryan K. Bowman from the grillposition.com started. And, you know, he was real worried and he was surprised that they, that they actually went through and put this championship on her. And inside that thread, I had commented, really look outside of our scope, outside of this bubble. The general wrestling fan, they have no idea what's going on. And it's sure as hell inside that arena last night, the impact fan base, they didn't, care. They didn't give two shits about it. They were going crazy about this. And then, you know, the rebuttal to that, Ryan comes back with, you know, but what about when this picks up mainstream with Bleacher Report or ESPN or somebody else starts running with that? To me, it was I'm not going to hold my breath waiting for those outlets to really go crazy with this thing. And if they do, somebody's going to read it and be like, Impact Wrestling? What the hell is that? Yeah, it, it's, an un, it's an unfortunate, harsh truth. If WWE's not attached to it, it's not going to pick up a lot of a lot of steam main mainstream in one of those, in the whole bullying issue and the, that maybe she's not liked as a coworker those things are going to be dismissed that's not the big issue here 
the racial slur is going to come into play, but we don't understand the full context of this situation. I think it's a whole lot of nothing. I just think it's a whole lot of nothing. I don't think that nearly that many people care about this. Now, now I do. I do want to ask you, and you're right. It's inside. It's like a bubble within the bubble that care about this. And I don't see that there's going to be tremendous backlash. Now, on the flip of that, you know, the grand moment that this is history that a woman has won a, a recognized world heavyweight championship in this big moment. I don't think that they're going to get a lot of positive rub out of this either. I don't, do you see outside of, you know, what I was mentioned, maybe this week they're going to see that spike. Are they going to be able to retain that? I don't think so. If anything, it's going to cancel each other out. Like whatever good press they were going to get out of this, they're going to lose because of the bad press that was surrounding this. And it's going to be a wash. And impact stays right where they were. Well, how do they capitalize right now? You have people talking about you. They're not really addressing it. I think there was maybe one or two quick mentions or, you know, like backhanded mentions of it in the commentary. Tessa, you're talking about, you know, she's a baby after this thing. She's putting herself over here. Did you catch her, the post-match promo? No. I, I, I saw an article about it and read through it quick, but I didn't watch it yet. Well, to me, I mean, does this really screen... Baby face. I mean, real quick here oh. is what she over what she had to say. Over the past eight months, this has been my life. Sammy and OVE have been a thorn in my side, and tonight we did it. Nobody, nobody in this life is perfect. We're all human, and it doesn't matter what you say about me. It doesn't matter what you call me. I have one of the strongest minds that I've ever known. What a great line that is, right? Like, that sounds like a maddenism. I have one of the greatest minds I've ever known. Uh, I mean, that to me, that screams. I mean, it, it's almost in her mind that she believes that she is right in this situation, that she is unjustifiably being attacked. There's an awful lot of uh, similarities between Tessa Blanchard's babyface character and Charlotte's babyface character. And I just don't find either one of them very likable. Well, and then she goes on, and this is where it really sounds like Seth Rollins. So whenever you come for me, you come for all these people. I am now the standard bearer. I am now the standard bearer for impact wrestling. Any man or woman, pound for pound, I am one of the best in the world, and I am now your world champion. Yeah, she just Seth Rollins herself. I give it six months and Tessa Blanchard's a heel. It's just not going to work. Let's talk about uh, TakeOver Blackpool. Uh, TakeOver Blackpool 2 went down yesterday. We have like a full hour and a half review uh, available at the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, hackerhameen.podbean.com. I sat down with the Andrew Bello as well as uh, the the, uh, UK carnoisseur that he is, Mr. Joe Atherton, and we talked about all these matches. Um, Huckleberry, what did you think of this show? Because the three of us, we were pretty torn as to how we felt about this takeover. I think, you know, in takeover form, it was a it was a bit of a roller coaster. Tremendous highs. Some, you know, okay lows. Uh, It was it was a run of the pack for a takeover for me. I, there was a lot to take away from it. I like some of the story going forward. I'm intrigued to see where some of these talents go. Uh, as you know, when it comes to the NXT brands, I prefer the UK version over North America. So I was really looking forward to this thing. 
that's it. You know, there were some things that I took away that some great positives. There were some other things. Okay. It was a fun show, but it was kind of there. Yep. Good show. Not a great show. Eddie Dennis defeats Trent seven to start things off. Um, kind of feel like Trent seven is becoming that babyface gatekeeper where, where you come into the promotion or you're returning to the promotion from an injury. Your first feud is going to be against Trent seven. And all you're going to do is beat him. Um, Atherton brought up that Trent seven is actually a co-owner of uh, one of the independent promotions over there. So him coming stateside, very, very unlikely Huckleberry, are, are they going to do anything with Trent Seven, or is he basically going to be the babyface version of Cassius Ono, and it's just going to be new debuting heels? Here you go. You get Trent Seven. New debuting babyfaces. Here you go. You get Cassius Ono. Well, what the hell does being part owner in a promotion have to do with where you locate for work? Um, because it sounds like he's pretty hands-on. Well, absolutely. I mean, in this day and age... I mean, we have the technology, you have the capabilities to run a company from anywhere in the world. Well, I guess, if, I guess the if question an opportunity, is, if an opportunity is right, the, the money is right financially, your exposure, you're going to do more in the long run for making a move over here for your promotion by taking on a, a, a term, you know, whatever the term deal might be like that. And then you, maybe you structure in there where, you know, if you are over here working NXT, where the the schedule's not as hectic and heavy that you have time to return over there for marquee events of those sorts. He's 38 years old. Do you invest that kind of time and effort into Trent seven at this point in his career at 38? I think that would be even more of a reason to try to make that jump. If you're going to come over here and work for a little while with this NXT to get ultimately get that exposure, which adds tremendous value to your own promotion or you tried, you know, you really are looking for that next level, that next job, setting yourself up to become one of those those staples inside of the NXT UK training program. Yeah, that that's absolutely what I expect for him is for him to become kind of that player coach. Uh, Eddie Dennis, the the gentleman that defeated Trent Seven uh, yesterday, I compared him to the UK version of Sonata. He's a good-looking guy who can go in there and work, and he has zero personality, none whatsoever, just stone-faced killer the whole time. This is somebody that, I mean, it was a great win for him. He looked good in it. Uh, someone that is going to need that that mouthpiece, that personality for him. And if they could find someone to link that up, uh, I, I think you, you'd have something absolutely incredible on your hands. One Somebody that really comes to mind that I think would be so, so excellent for the role and really helping take NXT UK to that next level to go tr that traditional old school flavor where you have that the family. Can you imagine uh, Drake Maverick going over there? Oh, yeah. And assembling a squad like, you know, going back to like the Hart family, the Heenan family. Hell, yeah. I could see Paige doing that, too. I think that'd be a good one uh, for her. I, and I think that would be tremendous. Yep. And and have it be of of men too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it plays per it plays perfectly. She doesn't need to be messing with those other females. When you think of Paige, I mean, we all know her past. You don't have to outright mention it, but I mean, she kind of does that. She's going to control the guys, right? She does her way. She's a powerful woman. She wants something. She goes and gets it. Yep. You, you could play that little risque side, and she'd be freaking incredible at that. Turn her into uh, Serena De La Renta, you know. 
the UK version. It'd be fantastic. Kaylee Ray defeats Tony Storm and Piper Niven to retain the NXT UK Women's Championship. Uh, Rick, it really stood out to me as I was watching this match. There's Tony Storm. And then there is the rest of the UK women's division. I just do not understand why she is still working in the UK. Uh, Kaylee Ray, Piper Niven. I think they're both fine talents, but I kind of see NXT UK as their ceiling at this point. Tony Storm put her on Raw or SmackDown tomorrow, and you should have done it at least a year ago. I think with the teasing, they, they haven't been, I guess, the, the most wowing of introductions from storm to the North American audience, but she is absolutely ready. She needs to make this move. You have got, you got a, a loaded gold mine on your hands with Tony storm. Yep. And, and I look at that all the way around from a talent to selling merch, to a personality, to a talking head. She absolutely has everything you are looking for. Asuka says, you're saying, hey, let's go ahead and make the move right now. Let's pull the trigger. Let's send her to the red or blue. I think what you do, especially with NXT on USA and now starting to see a little struggle. I mean, hell, they weren't even in, in the top 150 Yeah, in ratings this past week. 155, you, I believe, is where they finished. You, you need something there to, to revigorate. You, you need a blue chew for NXT, and it's Tony Storm. Well, I kind of thought that they might put Tony over in this match because then we would have the whole story going into Worlds Collide. Could we see Tony two belts? Because she's going to be challenging Rhea Ripley for the North American version of the NXT Women's Championship at Worlds Collide. Why not go for Tony two belts? You have a built-in story going in there. I, I would have liked to have seen that. And I, I was thinking about where she could go making that move. I think it's time, you know, if you really want to ignite something tremendously, you get that that fire really going under NXT for their weekly programming, you go revisit that Tony Storm and Ripley feud in America, in North America. If Vince McMahon came to you today, he calls you up and he says, RBV, I need a new woman on Monday Night Raw. Your choices are Tony Storm or Rhea Ripley. Which one should I go with? Which one do you take? Tony Storm. Tony Storm. If that's my, if that's my two, because I'm looking at this overall pack, I, and I think the future is so bright for each of these because they're so unique and they're going to speak to the masses here. I think they they truly are, you know, going back to when we always would talk about the the wrestling four horsewomen. These are the leaders. They're going to redefine everything. This is, these two are that next wave. Yeah. And there's some people that feel like Piper Niven and Zaya Brookside should be mentioned in that same breath as well. I'm not nearly as big on Piper Niven as some people are. If, if I really had to pick out a next wave of four that could change the game to take that evolution to that next step, evolution 2.0, I had to go with four of them. And, and I'm going to remove Baszler because of the age and because she's so unique to herself. I'm going Tony Storm. I am going Ripley. I'm going EO. And I wish that they could see this and I wish they would get behind this would be Candace LeRae. 
See, I would take Candace out for the same reason that you took Baszler out, just the age and the experience and the mileage on her. And I would put in Bianca Belair. Yes, I can see that. You know, you need that different look and you got to reach. And that's part of your marketing. You have to realize that. I could I could do that. Uh, I, I would love to see in a short term if, if you're looking for some kind of filler that you want to really sell and draw attention, put Storm and Candace together for a run at the Tag Team Championship. Yes, please. Sign me up for that. Uh, let's talk about Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate defeats. We'll just, and we will. We'll just call them the Blue Chew Express. Hell yes. Um, so many dirty thoughts. Tyler Bate defeats Jordan Devlin. Um, there was a lot of people that expected this to be the match of the night, and I believe that they absolutely lived up to that. Fantastic match. Uh, Tyler Bate is just fantastic, and so is Jordan Devlin. I'm just not sure. Tyler Bate's only 22. Like The, the ceiling for that kid is just, I, I can't even see it. That's how freaking high it is. Jordan Devlin, on the other hand, I like the kid as a talent, but this is just not working for me. And I don't know what it is. And I think it's in large part due to that moveset thing that we were talking about earlier. He wrestles like he's a baby face. I want to cheer Jordan Devlin. And he's a dick. And this is something where he should you know, take a learning example from his mentor, his trainer. I mean, look what Finn has done since going back to NXT and turning heel. He's eliminated most of that from his package. He's not out there trying to wow and excite. He wants you to hate him. He's trying to piss you off. He's trying to irritate you, relying on that character work. And that's what we should be getting from Devlin. Tyler Bate, is he going to be a future WWE World Heavyweight Champion? Do you see that in his future? I could see a run as a, a great mid-card champion. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say never say never because championships go around like crazy these days. Yeah. But I, I won't I don't think it would be a significant run or it'd be probably one of those great little moments, but then it'd be like, okay, that moment was over, let's move on. Well, he is young enough that maybe he actually, you know, he doesn't make it to the main roster until Vince goes by the wayside. Then I see a much higher ceiling for him. Uh, Gallus defeats Imperium, the Grizzled Young Veterans, and the South Wales Subculture, the team of Flash Morgan Webster and Mandrews, two Welsh boys, can't stand them, to retain the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. Um, in fact, I'm still not sure that Flash Morgan Webster is still alive. He may have died after that incredible fall off of the ladder to the outside. Haven't seen him since. Um Rick, this one I just don't understand because we had Gallus versus the Undisputed Era last week on NXT. Undisputed Era beats Gallus, and then Gallus goes out there and basically beats the entire tag division in a ladder match. Like, why didn't you just put off that match until this week instead of beating them on North American television three, four days before takeover? Yeah, even after well, they're so loaded up though with Undisputed Air taking on uh what's the big team over there? Imperium. Imperium. Sorry, it was right on the tip of my tongue. You're worried about Imperium there. They, they kind of just overlooked this thing 
And with Gallus picking this thing, absolutely, you know, immediately when they won this, I'm like, okay, you know, it was a fun little ladder match. Nothing out of the ordinary that we've seen. It was over the top, high spots, high impact, car crash. But okay, now what's left for this division? Yeah. And how, where is it to find? You've already told me within a week or so it's time that they're inferior, if you will, or subpar to their, their North American counterpart. And now they just went out here and dominated this. I mean, what is next for them? Where are they going to go? I think it was a case of they weren't really looking ahead or they don't think that there's a huge connection between these audiences. It also doesn't help that they had one babyface team amongst the four and uh, they, they were Welsh. So nobody likes them, you know, so, that, that so, by, so by default, they're, they're hated. They're the most hated. Yep. By default, they just suck. Everybody that's Welsh. Awful people. Uh, Walter defeats Joe Coffey by submission to retain the NXT UK championship, the WWE UK championship, NXT UK championship. I don't even know what the hell you call that belt anymore. Um, This match was about twice as long as it needed to be. It goes 27 minutes. We had this great conversation between myself, Bello, and Atherton about why Okada versus Ibushi works at 40 minutes, but they couldn't seem to make this work for 27 minutes. Rick, these guys are just too big. I mean, you get these two heavy hitters in there, and it just doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. And I think it's a case where they're overthinking it. They're trying to show everyone that they can go this distance, that they can put this time in, but it backfires on you because you start to lose the effectiveness the importance of that moment with two big heavyweights like this that are big bulls that are just coming out trying to slay one another. You're absolutely right. I mean, if you would have cut this thing by 10 minutes, yeah. it would have been a, a much, much higher excitement level surrounding what we had seen. Yep. I enjoyed this match up until the ref bump, and then everything just kind of went completely crazy with Dragunov and Alexander Wolf and all kinds of Tom fuckery at the end. But then Huckleberry at the end of the night as Imperium is standing tall and it seems as though everything is great. The heel faction has beaten up on the other heel faction and the fans are cheering the heel faction, which was kind of a theme throughout the show. Then the heel faction shows up. The Undisputed Era shows out, takes out Imperium. So the heels who beat the heels get their asses kicked by the heels and the fucking ballroom goes nuts. That's what really worried me, is that you see Imperium, who's representing on their home soil, and Undisputed Era comes out and just dominates them, and the crowd is eating it up. You're getting Undisputed chance. You're getting them playing along with the boom, the baby. It kind of worried me. You know, what were you hoping for? What were you expecting? What are we going to get here when worlds collide? What is the true reception around NXT UK? It's, it's, it was certainly worrisome from an optical perspective. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's do a quick preview for the week. Start things off with your Monday Night Raw preview. Huckleberry, they're loading this show up, and they is stupid. Because ain't nobody going to be watching Monday Night Raw tonight. The fight that everybody's going to be watching is going to be LSU and Clemson for the College Football National Championship. What do you think of this strategy by the WWE to try to load this show up tonight? You know, I wanted to come in with this a positive. And I wanted to have this conversation with you. I knew you were going to go right there. I mean, they are up against a heavy hitter 
this 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 national championship game tonight could go down as the highest rated ever. Yeah, they're talking that this could clip like 22 million people. Absolutely. So if you're WWE, you're going into this. We know, okay, people are going to be on their television tonight. People are going to be locked in. And you're hoping a good portion of them are going to be doing that from their living rooms. They're going to be sitting at home or in someone's living room. As they're flipping around, people are going to do that. You're going to see what else is on. WWE's mindset here is let's put together something spectacular. Let's let's go full force into this thing. Let's tackle this bad boy. Let's bust through the wall. It's going to come down to how they strategically put this show together. Where are they going to place these big moments, these big matches, and who and how are they going to have representing them at these important times? Now, do we trust production in WWE? And hey, they're some of the best in the in the business. You're going to have to plan this out on the fly, watching the game, seeing when they go to breaks, following scoring drives, following whatever. If there's a delay somewhere where that game starts dragging, you got to bring your best and hope that you can hold enough interest while they stay tuned in for certain segments or at least because they're going to be excited. And when you're excited for something, you're going to be excited all around. So, man, that was that was kind of cool. I hadn't thought about this in weeks. You know, next Monday, I'm going to make a point to tune in. So today's number of the day brought to you by the WWE is five. Ah, 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 five. Huckleberry, there are five flagpole parts to tonight's Monday Night Raw. You have a fist fight. You have Rusev versus Lashley. Aleister Black versus Buddy Murphy for the 814th time. And you also have AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. Oh, yeah. And Brock Lesnar. What do you open Monday Night Raw with tonight? What is what is the actual kickoff time for the game? Um, I'm not sure. I can look real quick, though. Let's do it. I mean, that's going to be important. I want to say it's like 835 or something along those lines is where you usually get that. So as people are coming in, this is where they're going to begin flipping. They're going to be moving around here. I think in that first half hour, you've got to get some good business done. So obviously you want to open with Brock, right? Do you open with Brock or do you save Brock for halftime? I think with that extended – now in a perfect world, and I know either Brock won't agree to this thing or they just refuse to do it for whatever reason with their block booking segment by segment. Wouldn't you try to fully utilize Brock here? Pony up if he wants that extra cash to have him in multiple segments throughout this thing? I mean, I have, I'd have something involving him damn near every freaking commercial break for the game. He, he is your selling point here. I am seeing 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the start of the ESPN coverage. So they will be head-to-head. Okay, that's your coverage. But kick. Because you're going to have people flipping around at that point, get kind of tired of the talk or, you know, have it as hopefully just not background noise where they are flipping things like that. So I think you you have to make those statements. You have to be prepared for that. And if you could have Brock filter throughout this show, he's your biggest selling point. Of the matches you had listed there, I probably at halftime, I think what's going to best represent what you hope people are going to take from your product would run AJ and Orton. Hmm. 
Yeah, I'm very interested how they lay this show out. Because you're going to have an extended halftime. You're going to have the big production and all that stuff going on. Uh, but you, but you're, you're certainly you're up against this thing. And, and you're calling this thing on the fly as well. Right. Because if LSU, let's say, gets out to a big start and it looks like this thing's going to be a blowout, you don't want to have, you know, kind of given away everything. And now people are tuning over and all you're left with is your squash matches. And I know I, I enjoy this thing. I enjoy the the drama aspect, the, the bad soap opera part. But what you're going to have here tonight are, are true sports fans giving you attention. They need to keep this this Lashley Lana Bullshit. you know, Rusev shit at a minimum. Worry about the action. Uh, I think you could really sell and grab people if you just sell a tremendous bout between Rusev and Bobby Lashley. But if you if you go gimmick this thing out and overbook it with all this drama bullshit, you're going and that's when people are tuning over. They're not going to come back. The other reason that the number of the day is five from the WWE is blood money. Five. Yeah. Coming at us on February 20th. And Rick, I thought that the date was interesting because March 8th is the Elimination Chamber. So we're going to have two weeks between Blood Money 5 and the Elimination Chamber, and then three weeks until WrestleMania. These goddamn Blood Money shows, they fuck it up. They're going to do it again this year. We're going to be talking, coming out of the Royal Rumble, we're going to be building to a bunch of matches that have absolutely nothing to do with WrestleMania. And then we're going to have like five fucking weeks to throw together this seven hour card for WrestleMania. This is such a bad idea. I'll give you the timing on this thing, but hey, they want something. They want this in that quarterly. Yeah, it just it hurts WrestleMania. My stock wants this in this quarterly. And their and their viewpoint is WrestleMania stands on its own right now as its brand. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the case anymore because there's a lot of tickets available. It's beginning to fade. It is beginning to fade because they have pulled the importance away from it. They are it's not their main focus. Yep. Obviously, it still remains this over-the-top grand spectacle, one of the greatest spectacles in all of sports and entertainment. But it's not the drive isn't there from the parent company, from WWE. And now you're starting to see that trickle effect where fans are feeling it. I here's the here's the biggest question surrounding blood money five this build to wrestlemania which show is going to be better or have bigger names for say on a global basis well you can bet that blood money five will be just as good if not better than wrestlemania and that will be the tagline Let's talk about NXT as we wrap things up this week, move into some happier news with NXT and AEW. Uh, Start things off with TakeOver Portland news. Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano is now official for TakeOver Portland. Looking forward to that. Um, And we also had this killer promo video from Tommaso Ciampa where he was talking to Adam Cole about how Adam Cole has taken everything that he needs in this life because he has Goldie Huckleberry. Did you get a chance to see this promo video? Because this thing's awesome. Uh, absolutely. Uh, another home run delivery here from, from Ciampa looking to get Goldie back. Hey, shout out. Did you happen to see the pictures? Uh, Horsley. 
Craig Horsley took his family, took his little girl to her first live event. She loves professional wrestling. First time at a live event, a proud papa, a great family moment for them. And she got her, she got her picture taken with Champa. Yeah. She looked, she, she looked kind of terrified. Yeah. Wouldn't she be terrified of Tommy <laughs> entertainment? She, she looked terrified, but she, she got through it. She gave a smile. She looked great. Uh, and, it's one of those moments, you know, now now she is completely hooked and hopefully she'll be a fan for the rest of her life. Yeah, that's great stuff. Uh, Women's Battle Royal we're going to have on this week's show because, you know, we've got a rumble coming up in a couple of weeks. So let's cross promote Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae, Chelsea Green, Dakota Kai, Vanessa Bourne, Caden Carter, Santana Garrett, Io Shirai, Shotzi Blackheart and Zia Lee, the members of this Women's Battle Royal, the winner will be the number one contender to face off with whomever the NXT Women's Champion will be going in to take over Portland, whether it be Rhea Ripley or Tony Storm. I think, you know, there's so many opportunities here. I'd like to see a dark horse win this thing and maybe just get an opportunity to go out there and shine in a championship match without it having to go really forward in a program. But it does elevate somebody. It gets them into that spotlight. You said this is more about it's the season. It's that over-the-top season, if you will. So it's, it's, they want to get that excitement. They're trying to feed off of that. So and it, let's get some stories. Let's let's use this as an opportunity to tell multiple stories with inside this match to start moving forward this division for 2020. Uh, maybe it's it's reordering the, the the chain of command, if you will. Well, you call for a dark horse to win this thing. I'm going to go with the most recent female signee to the NXT women's roster, Mercedes Martinez. If we can get her in this battle royal, give me Mercedes Martinez versus Rhea Ripley going in to take over Portland. I like that. Uh, Dusty Classic update. Last week we saw Imperium defeat the Forgotten Sons, so now we can forget about them for at least another year. And we also saw Undisputed Era defeat Gallus. That was a fantastic match. Interested to see where that goes going forward. And we also have the announcement now of Alex Shelley's tag team partner. It's not Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze has been sent to WWE Siberia, otherwise known as 205 Live. He's now the champion there because he's the only reason to watch it. He's not actually the champion, but that's what I'm fucking going with. Uh, Alex Shelley is going to be teaming up with Kushida. It's going to be a Time Splitters reunion inside of NXT. I talked to Craig over the course of this weekend, and he went to that NXT show. He said the Time Splitters blew the roof off of the place. It seems as though people actually know this history one way or another, which I find incredibly surprising. Huckleberry, what do you think of Alex Shelley joining NXT? Yeah, I think it's a great reunion here. This is going to be, as you said, a little surprising, but you got that that bubble within the bubble. You got the the smarter, smarky audience. So they're taking to this. This is exactly what they want. You got to believe these guys are a favorite, but I, I still think, I still think our idea there with Breezy was better. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, of course it was. It's Tyler Breeze. Let's talk about AEW Bash at the Beach coming up on this Wednesday. Kind of a historic show over the course of uh, history. Sammy Guevara is going to take on John Moxley. Yeah, Sammy Guevara is not going to win that match. John Moxley is going to murder that freaking kid. I'm looking forward to that. That should be a whole lot of fun. We're going to have Pac versus Darby Allen. 
Nice to see Darby actually back on TV since, you know, he's one of the more over guys inside of the company. I'm sure that we won't see him for the next three weeks. Cody is going to answer MJF. That's what I want to talk to you about, Huckleberry, because I didn't understand that at all. Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida is going to take on Awesome Kong and Mel. And then we're going to have QT Marshall, Dustin Rhodes and Diamond Dallas Page taking on MJF, The Butcher and The Blade. Oh, yeah, there's that tag team number one contenders thing too that we got to talk about but first we got to talk about cody what the hell is going on with cody cody rhodes is a fucking pussy cody rhodes got called out by the fucking heel and he says hey you want to have a match this is all you got to do and we get from cody absolutely nothing and his advocate his head coach arn anderson says we'll let you know next week fuck that What a little fucking bitch. This was a terrible idea from bad creative. And I'm not even really feeling the alignment here, the association with Arn Anderson in this thing. This should be Cody on his own. And he's going into this thing was he was alone. Everyone else has gone off on their own. They've got their own business to take care of. They've got their own responsibilities outside of the ring here with the company. So Cody stands alone. And then you got this just this smug, spoiled bastard, MJF, in every way that he can, just absolutely insulting, embarrassing Cody. This should be Cody, a man determined to stand alone and just ready to absolutely destroy anyone and anything in his path. You don't put this thing off. You want action. You take action. And then... They, they, they've kind of fumbled this thing. And then, three minutes later... They have MJF come out for his promo. Those segments should have been very, 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 very far apart on the show. MJF comes out and he calls Cody out. I'm going to give you till the count of 10. Diamond Dallas Page comes out, gets his ass kicked. Dustin comes out. QT Marshall comes out. Like everybody's coming out to help DDP, but no Cody. You know why? Because he's a little bitch. He's a coward. He doesn't want any part of MJF. His true colors are showing through once again, Huckleberry, and I can see the yellow going down his back. This is a bunch of bullshit. Fuck Cody Rhodes. I'm out. I'm out. I You got me on the Cody train, and now I'm out because I realize I've been cheering for the little bitch. This is doing him no favors. And it, it, even in how this thing is set up, as you said, within just like a segment or so, minutes away from each other, these two are cutting promos here. I mean, this should be MJF using his influence, his money to either be off location and streaming into the arena or being snuck into the arena and then dodging out before Cody, who should be at any means necessary trying to get at MJF. Fuck your stipulations. I'm coming after you. You've embarrassed me. This You've crossed the line here. You've the ultimate insult. I want your blood. I am coming after you. Kiss your ring. I'm going to take that ring and shove it up your ass. The show should have started with Cody. Like, as they're running that opening video package with the music and everything, Cody should have came out. You should have heard him on the mic. Hey, cut it off. Cut it off. Get the camera right up in his face and just say, MJF, you're on. And then start the fucking show. Like, Cody should have been chomping at the bit, just waiting for the show to start. He couldn't wait for one second longer to say, I'm going to kick MJF's ass at Revolution. I'm going to beat Wardlow in a cage. I'm going to take your 10 lashes. All this stupid bullshit, fine. Because I want to kick your ass. But no, instead, we'll, we'll see. 
maybe next but week. Where's, where's, where's the thunder? Where's the hunger? Where's the desire? What a little bitch. Cody letting us down. God damn. Go get your balls back from Brandy for the love of fucking God. Young Bucks are going to take on Hangover Page, Kenny Omega, Santana and Ortiz, and the best friends to crown a number one contender to face off with SCU. This seems incredibly underwhelming, and good God, I hope Santana and Ortiz win this thing. I can't take the best friends as number one contenders, even as they have tried to build up Trent. The Young Bucks already freaking lost, and Hangover Page and Kenny Omega, they clearly got their own shit going on. So I'm going with Santana and Ortiz. And why, what is the need for this match in itself? One of those things, okay, let's just toss everyone together, car crash this son of a bitch out, see who we got left standing. Isn't this why we have our ranking system? Isn't this why we have like a, a committee or whatever voting on this thing? So, so now we're just hot-shotting whoever can win this single match is going to be determined a number one contender? I mean, where is your creative? Where is the desire to get behind us? Let us get invested in this thing instead of just a a crash derby or whatever the hell if anything, train wreck this is going to be. If anything, it feels like the match at Revolution should be the Dark Order versus SCU. Like, they've built to that more than they have any of these matches. We're going to have a Christopher Daniels on the pole match. Winner gets CD. Absolutely. And, and, get, and, just, and everything they got going on in this, I, I don't know what it is. This in tag division is where they wanted to have it be a focal point. They're going to make tag wrestling important again. I don't know if it's they're over trying, but it's beginning to really miss with me. I, I just this dark order thing seems that it, it's just taken a wrong course. Yeah, it, it certainly has, even though William Alicia loves it. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the other platform you may not be listening to, whether it be the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, or Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com. Visit our support staff over at thegorillaposition.com, where they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Last word on pro wrestling, so you can get all the latest news coming out of the entire world, including all these ridiculous cars getting ready to come up for the... uh, new beginning tour in Osaka for New Japan and then NDPW.com will have you covered for all the latest on this Brian Cage situation find me across all social media platforms at Not Jargo and in bed with a NyQuil coma Huckleberry how do the peeps the freaks and the geeks find you well, as always, you can keep up with me, Rick Vickery, across all social media platforms at The Real RBV. Keep your eye out for later on during the national championship game. I, I think I'm going to go out on the hunt to find that that next great sensation for that RBV fitness to keep you well-rounded. I will talk to you Tuesday for an all-new edition of Hitting the Playoffs with myself and Stevie Richards. Huckleberry and I will be back on a little bit later on this week, talk about all the college football playoffs, some of the ongoings inside of the NBA, and how good the fucking Lakers are, even without Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Yeah, it's great! And then, of course, right back here for an all-new edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast and Mondays in the Locker Room, Hacker Hameen. Dot podbean.com. I will be in your ear holes shortly, hopefully not sounding like I'm water or water. But for now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Enable me. Don't give up. You bad guy! Stop! Stop! Go!
Música